Okay, I think we're recording now. Perfect. Okay. Okay, so let's try this one more time. <laughs> I've recorded a couple and then they just like stopped. And if you do your own podcast, you know exactly what I'm talking about, about how frustrating that could be. So welcome, short story bingo. My name is Nate Chacon the third episode 13 is up and ready to rock and roll. If this is your first time, welcome. And if this is your second time or third, then the retention program is working. What we do on this podcast is I read a short story, whether it's by myself or with a guest, and we have fun with it. Uh, we read it and kind of clown it. And at times also make sure to read the story for what the author intended. So it's like audible, sort of. Welcome. So I have to say this, happy Halloween first and foremost, but um, we didn't get a lot of trick-or-treaters this year. I don't know how many you guys did, and I hope there were a lot. I think um, because of how many other people in the neighborhood we're not doing it that we got avoided even though uh the house was lit up like there was no way to not come to the house and not be uh know that you were gonna get candy anyway so yeah happy halloween i hope you got your scares and this is the uh closing episode at least for the halloween season of 2017 november 3rd man so what we're like 57 days something like that away from the new year hope you got your guys fucking ducks in order because that's a damn thing today we're gonna read from uh the mammoth book of best new horror uh this time we're gonna read from peter atkins and uh the story is called dancing like we're dumb just to give a quick preface on peter atkins he uh has wrote screenplay he's wrote the uh he wrote hellraiser 2 um, Hellraiser 3 and Hellraiser 4 those screenplays so this should be fun I, I skimmed a little bit of the the uh, first um, page and it's definitely uh, one that is a lot more relatable a lot more uh, explicit language as it were to keep some of my uh, more I don't know just to keep me in tune shit I was um going through and I was like yeah this is going to be a good one so yeah short story bingo episode 13 is full of effect random twitter followers shout out goes out to oh shit see I had it I'm going to get it back it's alright this one going out to at sing with Doreen she uh, has a thanks for following me um, and uh, her bio says find your inner rock star when you sing write and perform with doreen in riverton utah so if you know doreen and you're out in riverton i'm i'm assuming that she does karaoke or some sort but anyway shout out to you um also again big shout out to everyone that's uh been uh on this ride we're back and keeping on with the uh weekly affair here every friday uh with yours truly also uh, I apologize if my vote if my voice is a little phlegmy. Uh, I'm kind of getting over a cold, so might add to the story though because I get a little baritone because of the cold that we have. So, if you have any new stories you want to send in, please do so at short um, short story bingo at gmail.com. Again, short story bingo at gmail.com. 
um yeah share this subscribe t- let your friends know um that uh you know if you want to hear a cool little story for about 30 minutes to an hour um you know this is the place to do it so yeah sit back enjoy the ride intro songs coming show story bingo episode 13 Woo! Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're sad. Most of the time they're funny because I hate to be sad. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. But don't take my word for it. Spare fingers. Yes. Punk in the back seat didn't look so tough, but the jittery eagerness with which he pressed the barrel of his Ruger against the back of my headrest talked me out of giving him the kind of shit I'd normally enjoy throwing his way. I was in the front passenger seat, annoying to begin with because it was my fucking car, and jumpy Mick handgun back there was the monkey to Cody Garrity's organ grinder. Cody was driving, not driving well. It has to be said, but certainly letting the state know what it could do with its posted speed limits. Which is fuck off. We're not abiding to your 50 miles per hour. Punch that shit. I'd had the pleasure of their acquaintance a mere four minutes or so, and I knew Cody's name only because he was the kind of tool that liked to introduce himself when he was carjacking you. (laughs) What the fuck? Hi. Hold on. I almost started that like a fucking commercial. Hi, I'm Cody Garrity, he'd said. Slide over. Oh, because it's that easy. Well, I suppose when you have a gun in your hand, it's that easy. Pop over real quick. I just want to... His Smith & Wesson 38 had been on display for me, but held flat against his stomach to avoid alarming anyone else in the Albertsons parking lot. I got to give them props for the smoothness of their work. Cody'd... Cody'd ambled... Schlub like between the spots like some harmless stoner who'd forgotten where he'd park while his neck tattooed catamite kept himself completely out of sight until Cody'd already got the drop on me cats were fucking scoping these so scoping her out I'd only been driving uh I'd only been driving Ilsa she wolf of the SS for a month or so, and while she may have been merely an entry-level Mercedes, she was still a Mercedes. So I should have been paying more fucking attention. It's true that it was four o'clock in the afternoon of another perfect L.A. day, and that seven years of driving third-hand Detroit may well have dulled my douchebags who want your stuff, Antana, but I'm not going to make excuses. I'd been sitting there checking my mental shopping list with the driver door wide open like some middle-class moron who thinks crime only happens to other people. Dude, and you know you have friends like that, too. Like, that uh, sometimes you get annoyed when people don't lock their doors. And it's not even, I don't even know if it, it, probably because of how I grew up, I think. Because you locked the doors. That's what you did. Even in a little ass neighborhood that I grew up in, but I don't know. I think the description that's made by the, uh, checking my mental shopping list with the driver, 
uh, driver door wide open like some middle class moron who thinks crime only happens to other people. Yeah. So I've got no one to blame but Mrs. Donnelly's youngest, which is her. Cody, jumping lights and ignoring stop line, stop signs. Oh, he's just tearing in the car. Okay. Was tearing down. Uh, I didn't even. Okay. Was tearing down Griffith Park Boulevard now, pushing Ilsa like he had her on a NAS track, uh, NASCAR track instead of a residential street. And her engine was purring pleasurably in response to his aggression. Little kraut slut. <laughs> what you got on your presets? Cody asked. Because that's a normal thing. Hey, fucking. What's, uh, what do you listen to? No. Cody asked, but was already stabbing at the radio's buttons. The speakers burst into life and the gold and the godlike genius known to an undeserving world as Kesha told us she had Jesus on her necklace. (laughs) Fuck. Cody gave me a superior look. Top 40, he said, like I needed my channels explaining to explaining to me. His tone was derisive and the Epsilon and back snorted in agreement. Their disdain didn't surprise me. What did surprise me confuse me, in fact, was that I still that I was still in the damn car. I don't know if Cody and his chimp had ever read car jacking for dummies, but if they had, I'm pretty sure they'd have learned that the place to say goodbye to their new vehicle's previous owner was back at the point of purchase. It's never a good idea to point out examples of their own stupidity to boys who like to play with guns, but I needed to let them know that. Now that they had the car and all, it was time that they thought about ditching the unwanted baggage. I turned to look at Cody, always smarter to talk to the less amped one, and pointed ahead to the next interception. Intersection. You could drop me at the corner of Hyperion, I said, calm as a tween on Ritalin. I could pick up a slice of hard times and... Hey, Lesbo at FrontSeat.com, his partner interrupted. Shut the fuck up. Well, that was alarming. Not a single Melissa CD or Ellen Bio in sight, and me and my usual show the boys what they're missing drag, but still Ansi von Ruggerstein. Who am I who I'm guessing wasn't the brightest bitch in his pack, had me down as a friend of Radcliffe Hall, which meant he had to have, which meant he had to, which meant he had to have come armed with prior knowledge, which meant he and his alpha hadn't been targeting Ilsa at all. They'd been targeting me. Huh. And the days started off so quiet. Started off nice, in fact. Coffee at my place with a pretty girl. Anna was almost 18. Oh, let's fucking, let's make sure this goes down to go right path. Anna was almost 18, exclusively and unfortunately hetero, and was part of a girl power trio called the Butchered Barbies. Anna had two jobs in the band, to play bass and to look hot, and was good at one of them. I'm guessing play bass. The Barbies, who were almost big in what remained of the Silver Lake scene, were all Buzzsaw Guitar and Jenny Rotten Snarls. Like the last 30 years had never happened. 
I tried to point out to Anna on more than one occasion that their whole shtick was as charmingly antiquarian as crinolines and afternoon tea, but she wasn't having it. Fucking kids, no telling them. Anyway, Anna had come calling this morning because she misplaced a piece of vinyl that meant a lot to her and was flirting with the idea that it had been stolen and wanted me to flirt with the idea of making it my next case. (laughs) Next case, Jesus Christ. Truth is, I feel weird even talking about cases. I mean, with my impressive juvenile resume of drug running and related criminal activities, it wasn't like the state was going to fucking license me anytime soon. And besides, most of the people who came to me with their little problems weren't the sort of people who were likely to want the authorities anywhere within sniffing distance of their own shit. Nevertheless, for the last 18 months or so, the Donnelly larder had been stocked pretty exclusively by the proceeds of a series of adventures in private investigation. So it turns out, licensed or not, I'd sashayed my way into becoming Nancy Drew for the Mich generation. It was that guy, Anna said. I'm pretty sure. Have you got any more coffee? She looked around my kitchenette with a hopeful expression. Mind you, this is still, this is the the beginning of the day. So she's not kidnapped yet. Just in case. I'm just, I'm sure you guys are following. But she looked around my kitchenette with a hopeful expression. Like the coffee could perhaps be somewhere other than the auto drips empty pitcher and waggled her mug on the countertop like she might tempt it out of hiding. I'll make some, I said, getting up. What guy? The guy, she said, giving me a look like, what the fuck was wrong with me not keeping up with her tweets? Remind me, I said, walking to the machine and swapping out the used filter. Took a stranger home after a gig, she said, fucked him. Gone gone when I woke up. No name, no number. One of my 45s was missing. Come on. Of course that's not what she said. What she said, what she said, took the entire brew cycle. But I've done you the courtesy of editing out the how she felt and the what she wore and the how he seemed so nice and the Emma's cool but she can be so jealous and all the rest of her pressed in level of detail shit. Trust me. You owe me big. Thank God. I pressed her later for more clues to the identity. I well, excuse me. I pressed her later for more clues to the identity of the gentle and sensitive young poet, with whom she shared those brief idyllic moments. But first, I wanted to know if what might have been stolen was something actually worth stealing. I asked her the name of the missing single. You probably haven't heard of it, Kitty. She said gently. You know me. Being 25 and such, a fucking square and all. It's called The Devil Ride Shotgun by Guest Eagleton. Bless her. Everything is new to 70-year-olds, even history. (laughs) The record in question was certainly a rarity, but the story behind it was hardly obscure. They even made a bad TV movie about it in the early 80s, something I resisted telling Anna for fear it would break her hip little heart. <laughs> Rockabilly legend, Eagleton. Not a legend at the time, of course, just another redneck punk lucky enough to be making a third single because his second had crossed over from the regional charts to the lower reaches of the Billboard Hot 100. Recorded The Devil Ride Shotgun in 1957. 
By all accounts, the recording itself went fine. Single hanging mic, three-piece band, two takes, and off to the car cat house. Those were the days. But between the day of the recording and the release of the single, Guest finally got around to reading his contract. Perfect. I'm sure this is going to be gold. Discovering that the label's owner, a scurrilous one, imagine that, had put himself up as co-writer of the song. <laughs> that shit happens, man. Young Guest, still fresh from the Kentucky Hills and not one to wait for lawyers when there's a son-off, when there's a son-off handy broke into the record plant to personally stop the pressing of the 45. Cease and desist the pressing of this. Here's the part of this story where fact shades into legend. It's a fact guest was shot by the first cop on the scene. It's a fact that he fell from the gantry into the production line below. I don't know for a fact he was dead before his face landed in the hot wax fat, but I sure hope so. It's a fact that 27 copies of the 45 were pressed before they could shut the line down. And the legend, of course, is that each of those 27 copies contains microscopic remnants of their late creator because the flesh that was stripped from his skull by the molten vinyl was swirled away with it and stamped into the records themselves. You can believe it if you like. Snopes gives it a cautious... Hasn't actually been disproved, kind of rating. Anyway, the final fact is that whether the story of their extra ingredient was true or not, those copies of the single, though never officially released, have become grail-like to serious vinyl junkies over the years. Springsteen paid nearly twenty grand for his copy back in his glory days. The nerd from Coldplay almost twice as much at a Sotheby's auction three years ago Anna got hers as a gift like I said pretty girl it wasn't even lunchtime before I was cooling my heels in the lobby of a mid-level talent agency on Beverly waiting to see the douche who'd picked up Anna and ask him nicely for the return of her property here's the thing about detecting that my more invested in the myth colleagues don't want you to know Like every other job, it's really easy except for those rare but annoying times when it's not. This thing of Anna's took me one phone call to a barman I knew at the club where the Barbies had played, another to a customer he knew who'd spent time talking to the aforementioned douche, and a quick internet search of employment records. Shit's like that too. I worked for a collection agency and you stalk the shit out of people like on their Facebooks and shit like that. Be careful what you put on social media. And that's not like something that you haven't heard already and shit, but you know, people are watching, man. People are watching. Just like I hope people are listening to this. I'd given my name to the pretty young man at the reception desk and told him, I needed to see Andy Velasco on a personal matter of some urgency. He told me he'd do what he could, but that Mr. Velasco was very busy. And I bit my tongue and sat down to wait. But by the time I'd read Variety from cover to cover, I figured I'd waited long enough, and in the next brief gap in the endless phone calls the receptionist was fielding, walked back over to his desk and said, Where's his office? 
the reception the receptionist pulled a face. I'm going to need you to sit down and be patient. When? I asked him. Excuse me? When are you going to need me to do that? He hesitated because how the hell would he know? Maybe I was, I actually was that stupid. Now, he said, with that weary politeness that's supposed to let you know you're dealing with a trained professional. Now, I said. So what's with all the I'm going to crap, present tense, future tense? They're different for a reason. Poor bastard. Wasn't like he was the only idiot to talk that way, but, you know. Leanth customer gets the confetti in the coupon book. Luck of the draw. I need you to sit down, he said. Now. Giving it his best firm and authoritative, just like the manual must have told him. Adorable. Well, I need Scarlett Johansson and a fistful of rope and all, I said. So that's so that's two of us that are shit out of luck. I have no problem with calling the police, he said. Me neither, I said. But I can guarantee you, your Mr. Velasco would. He came up short on the snappy comeback front, so I pressed on. Tell him I've got a pitch for him. Reimagining of an old classic. Um, statutory rape and the single rock chick. Pretty sure I want to hear it. Five minutes later, I was driving the single back to Anna's place in Echo Park like a fucking boss. Hell yeah. <laughs> Tell him I've got a pitch for him. Reimagining of an old classic. Um, statutory rape and the single rock chick. <laughs> Gatekeeper's like, oh, fucking, oh, no. Yeah, of course. Yeah, one second, let me go get him. And five hours later, after a breakneck jaunt up and around the curves of Mulholland, I was about to be ushered into a mansion on a hill by my new friend, Cody Garrity. Ah, uh, we're back in the car. His little helper had clambered into Ilsa's driver's seat. Now, Ilsa is the name of the car, if you're not following. His little helper had clambered into Ilsa's driver's seat. When Coney and I had got out, and as he slipped her back into drive and started out of the courtyard roundabout, he dropped the window, grinned at me, and pantomimed a shot to my head. Charm. It's just something you're born with. I returned the smile and nodded. Catch you later, I said. He didn't much care for the way I'd said it, I guess because he slammed back in the park like he was ready to get out and teach the bitch some manners. Scott, Cody said. Not much spin on it, but apparently enough to get the little tyke back in his cage. He drove off, and I watched him exit through the big raw iron gates. Neck tattoo, five foot six, name of Scott. Should be enough, and it's always nice to have something to look forward to. Long walk back, I said to Cody, but at least it's downhill. I got a ride, he said, talking his head in the direction of a late model Cadillac parked outside a separate cat carriage house. And you're not going to need one. Ominous, I said. I'm all a tremble. Comedian, he said. Yeah, four symbols. Yeah, four syllables, gender specific. Oh, okay, hold on. I'm going to do that again. Ominous, I said. I'm all a tremble. 
comedian, he said. Yeah, four syllables, gender-specific and everything. Who knew? And waved me toward the front door of the main house with his gun. Quite a place. And it sure as hell didn't belong to Cody. Nor did it belong to a pissant, pissant junior agent like Andy Velasco. To whom I should perhaps have paid more attention when he told me that he was just a middleman and that his client was not going to be happy. Because this place was money. Real money. The three rooms and a hallway we walked through to get where we were going were high-end SoCal class. Impressive and imposing. But nothing you haven't seen in the glossies. The room we ended up in, though, was something quite different. Black marble and red lacquer and display cases full of books, artifacts and impedimenta of a very specific nature. Shit. Magic. I hate magic. I'm not saying... I love the Orlando magic. P.S. I'm just saying that, but... L.A.'s just full of Satanists. L.A.'s just full of Satanists. Always has been. I don't know if it's some kind of yin-yang natural balance thing. All that sun, surf, and simplicity needing to be contrasted by some really dark shit. But it certainly seems that way. Into every Brian Wilson's life, a little Charlie Manson must fall. (laughs) Shit, that's so good. Most of the Golden State's followers of the left-hand path are, of course, idiot dilettants. Chasing tail of money. But every now and then, something real fucking ugly breaks surface. Something that knows what it's doing. It was hard to think of the 70-year-old guy who'd been waiting for us in the room as someone who knew what he was doing. Though, at least when it came to raising demons and the like... Getting into pickles with pretty sitcom moms, sure. Or raising exasperated eyebrows at the antics of adorable juvenile juvenile leads, maybe. I recognized him immediately, and you would have too. I doubt you could watch four hours of TV Land without seeing him at least twice. Never had his own show, but from the late 60s through the mid-80s, he was very solidly employed. You'd have as hard a time as I did remembering the name. Frankie Metcalf, I eventually recalled. But you'd know the face in a heartbeat. Still worked now and then. He did one of those standard Emmy-baiting, lovable old curmudgeon with cancer bits on Grey's Anatomy a couple seasons back. Really, I said? There goes the neighborhood? Residuals can get you a place like this? Hardly, he said. Bequest from an acolyte. So you're the interfering little cunt who decided she'd piss on my parade. Whoa, quite a mouth from this guy. It was like hearing Howie Cunningham tell you to go fuck your mother. Why didn't you just make Anna an offer, I said. You probably could have got the damn single for less than a month's worth of property tax. Not an option, he said. The ritual has its rules. Christ Almighty. Always with the rules and rituals, these dickheads. Flying the flag for transgression and the dark arts, but it's prissy about it as a chapter of the fucking D.A.R. Esoteric is all get out, I'm sure, I said. Can I give you a piece of friendly advice? Payback for all those hours of televisual pleasure. 
If you have a gun handy, you might want to get it now. Because? Because for you to be caught at a disadvantage. Cody bristled at that. Big fucking been bristled at before. But Frankie laughed. I think he was starting to like me. I wondered why he sent his boys to grab me instead of just having them snatch the single again and asked him. Your friend was apparently so moved by its safe return that she she's keeping it around her person, Frankie said. Which wouldn't be a problem, but her group is currently traveling. He looked at Cody for details. They got a gig in Bakersfield tonight, Cody said. Bakersfield? I said. Seriously? The Barbies? Buck Owens must be turning over in his grave. Frankie ignored the sidebar. So... No memento Marie of the unfortunate Mr. Eagleton, he said. Still, not to worry. We've got you instead. I'm a girl of many talents, I said. But singing isn't one of them. Then how lucky we are that all you'll be required to do is die. Let's move to the party down below, shall we? We were on the ground, we were on the ground floor, in case I haven't made that clear. Down below, I said. That's quite unusual for Los Angeles. Look at me, being all up on my building codes and shit. I love how this is written, by the way. It's fucking beautiful. What's unusual, Frankie said. What's unusual, Frankie said. Having a basement? Oh, I don't have a basement, he said. Oh, I don't have a basement. I have a fucking cave for killing motherfuckers like you who don't give back very antiquitous records. And so we take you down to our cave for killing where the Illuminati hangs out. It's not a basement, you dumb, 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 dumb person. He was right. He didn't have a basement. (laughs) What he had was a cavern. I'd have made the requisite Bruce Wayne jokes, except the sight of it didn't really inspire humor. It was huge, for starters, like the hill beneath his house and those of his neighbors lower down on the slope was absolutely hollow, and the hollowness was new. I don't mean man-made new. There'd been no excavation here, at least not by natural means, but alarmingly preternaturally new like the hill was eating itself hollow in preparation for something fucking sea cold the hill was being rewritten I thought though I'd have preferred not to the cavern walls weren't of rock but of whatever primordial clay once hardened into rock they were pale brown and wet oozing wet like the whole thing was sweating feverishly The floor was the same, sucking at our feet with every step that I could handle. It was the breathing that freaked me the fuck out. It was slow and labored, apart from being a hundred times as loud and coming from everywhere at once. sounded like the melancholy and heartbreaking sound of someone on their deathbed. But this wasn't the sound of something dying. It was the sound of something being born. And it bothered me. A lot. But not as much as it bothered Cody. 
We descended by rope ladder from a trap door in Frankie's souvenir shop. The decent being, too bad for me, textbook smart. Guy with gun first, unarmed chick second, creepy old guy third. <laughs> and ever since we got here, coded evidence, increasing signs of having got himself into something that wasn't what he thought he'd signed up for. Yeah, well, too damn bad, gangster. Just fucking Cody, like, just walking around with his gun, just, but also trying to keep a straight face because he can't, like, show her, like, super bad that she, she, that he's freaking the fuck out. So he's like, no, I'm fine. Yeah, for sure. I'm good. I'm good. No, the cavern? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I've been down. Have I been down there? I don't know if I've been down there. I think I've been down there. You haven't been down there. Yeah, I haven't been down there. This will be fine, though. It'll be fine. Oh, the, 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 the floor's a little sticky. Is that weird? Is that just weird to me? I don't... You know what? Fuck it. Once his awestruck and unhappy glances at his surroundings started to occupy more of each of his last minutes on Earth than his glances at me did, I figured it was time to put him out of his misery. I couldn't even feel smug about it. Guy was so out of his comfort zone, a slight hesitation as if I was mesmerized by one of the clay-like exercises that bloomed from the dripping walls like attempts at imitating local flora. A misdirecting glance back behind him and then a well-placed hill and elbow, and he was on his knees, gasping for breath, and his gun was in my unforgiving hand. Just like that, just fucking... Say goodnight, Cody, I said, and put one right through... Jesus. Say goodnight, Cody. Damn, that's cutthroat. Okay, I'm just picturing this. Say goodnight, Cody, I said, and put one right through the center of his forehead. I was swinging back towards where I'd last seen Frankie when I heard the click of his safety and felt his barrel at the back of my neck. Cargo pants don't look that great on guys his age, but... They do have a lot of pocket space. So dude had his had the gun on him his whole time. Leave it with him, Frankie said. And I dropped the thirty eight on Cody's dead chest. Watch, Frankie said. Trying for dispassionate but failing to completely mask the fascination and excitement. So I watched partly because information is power and partly because mom always told me it's a bad idea to piss off a crazy old fucker with a gun. The blood jetting out of Cody's shattered skull was being sucked into the liquid sheen of the clay like mother's milk into the mouth of a greedy newborn. And it was a two-way street. Cody's flesh was invaded by the fecal brown of the mud he died on until... Inside of a minute, he looked like something somebody'd molded from the wet and alien earth itself. So much for any lingering hope that this could all be explained away by sedimentary settlement. It accepts offering, Frankie said. More out there by the fucking minute. <laughs> but don't entertain any hope that this can replace your own sacrifice. There was no gravitas here. Most ceremony, the unfortunate news for you is that your death needs to be slow and somewhat spectacular. 
Fuck me. With the exception of his charming opening gambit with the C-word back in his trophy room, everything this guy said sounded like he lifted it from the back from his back catalog of crappy scripts. Case in point, his subsequent his subsequent lurid description of what I had to look forward to before the day was much older. I'm going to blah 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 kitty blah 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 on and fucking on. Use your imagination, I assure you it's at least as good as his. <laughs> I'm going to rip you from limb to limb as slow as possible while you watch an episode of Downington Abbey and I sit there eating popcorn and clipping my toenails and drive, letting them sit on your chest because that's weird and they might smell funny because of this fucking floor. Yeah, it sounds like that. That's how you get it up, I said. When he was finally done, telling girls what you're going to do to them? No, Mrs. Donnelly, he said. I get it up watching people's eyes turn glassy with dread as they feel all hope of escape disappear. TV's Frankie Metcalf, ladies and gentlemen. A real fucking sweetheart. Now let's move on to the central chamber. Or don't, that would be fucking cool too. We moved ahead through a curving anterior walkway. Only then, within its lower ceiling and narrower, uh, narrower walls, did I pause to wonder where the hell the light was coming from. But it was a meaningless question. I could see perfectly well, and I had no idea how or why. Another of those misshapen flowers was growing from the weeping wall to our left. This one was vanguard-minded. Attempting an impression of color, its stalk and leaves blood red, its petals an eerie and bilious yellow. Frankie's left hand plucked it from the wall with a flourish. Here, he said, shaking some of its slime from his fingers and flinging it at me. Pretend it's prom night. Thanks, I said, catching it and pretending to sniff it before holding it to my wrist like a corsage. Every time I smell it, I'll think of you. He gave me a look that told me he was smart enough to know I'd stolen on the line, but not sharp enough to remember from whom. Let me save you the Google. It was my fellow Irish deviant, Oscar Wilde. And then, all done with our little timeout flirtation, waved me ahead impatiently, waggling the gun like a signaling device. Got it, he said. You're unfucking flappable. Now get moving or I'll drag you there by the short and curlies. Sad old bastard. Like anybody has pubic hair anymore. I dropped the nasty little flower wet and rubbery and pulsing unpleasantly like it hadn't yet decided its final shape and moved ahead of him, conceding reluctantly to myself as I walked on that things were not looking good for our plucky girl detective. In fact, I could feel the adventure of the hollow hill lobbying to give itself a real fucking downer of an ending as I stepped out from the walkway into what he called the central chamber. There was a bubbling quicksand at its heart. Let me do that again. There was a bubbling quicksand-like pool at its heart. 
surrounded by several ill-defined shapes that put me in mind and put me in mind of the grotesque statue that Cody's body had become. More formal offerings, I thought. The place was a compost heap, a mulch pit, and Frankie's ode to its insane splendor confirmed as much. You've doubtless seen all that pentagram and puff of smoke nonsense in the movies, he said. But the truth is, it takes time and effort to actually affect a materialization. The ground must be prepared. I've been seeding it for years, Kitty. Seeding it with frozen pain, with artifacts that contain the captured essences of human suffering. I've brought such treasures here. The skulls of slaughtered children. A letter to the media that one of our most celebrated serial killers wrote in the blood of a victim. A copy of the Divermis Mysteries, bound in human skin. The Devil Ride shotgun would have been a beautiful addition, but alas. He let his voice trail off theatrically. Prime fucking ham. I'd have asked him the obvious question. Why the hell are you doing this? But I knew there was no point. He wouldn't have an answer because he wasn't really here anymore. He was as hollow as his hill. And just as much in the process of transformation. Whatever the human motivations that had kicked him off. Curiosity, excitement, thrill of the forbidden, whatever. He was now merely a vessel of the other's desire to manifest itself. He had nothing to do with it. He was long gone. Whatever was blossoming in his cavern had eaten Frankie Metcalf from the inside, too. So why leave the crust? He was staring at the bubbling pool, at the heart of it all, and for a second or two, hardly paying attention to me, I think later that perhaps either outcome was equally acceptable to what was to what was left of the man he used to be. But I wouldn't think about it much because it allowed for too much human ambiguity in the monster he'd become. I sure as shit didn't think about it in the moment. I was younger and faster, and all his meditative pause, all his meditative, meditative pause in the proceedings meant to me was this: forget the gun, close the gap, get one hand on his skull, and the other on his chin, and snap his wretched ancient neck like a fucking twig. I'd have run away, but. The terrifying reossification of the whole cavern let my legs a whole new level of motivation. Killing frankly, it, killing Frankie, had been like flipping a powder down switch, um, uh, a power down switch on whatever he'd been ushering into our world. It made sense, I suppose. Just like, like any other scary movie, when you like kill the like the guy, or just like. Like Ghostbusters when you kill the guy and then it's just like everything around goes back to normal or whatever. What's that other movie that just came out with Colin Farrell? It came out last year. The mysterious um it's like that Harry Potter um jump off. Anyway, yeah, like that. So they kill the guy and then all the all the wizards go and put everything back together again. Any other death down here? Well, let's just do that again. I'd have run away, but the terrifying reossification of the whole cavern let my legs a whole new level of motivation. 
killing frankly killing frankie had been like flipping a power down switch on whatever he'd been ushering into our world it made sense i suppose any other death down here like you know mine would have been just more mulch on the shit pile of its becoming but the death of its possessed summoner threw everything into reverse whatever had been coming was now retreating and the hill was reclaiming its solid solidity reclaiming it thank fuck not quite as fast as I reclaimed the rope ladder and clambered my way back up into the house. By the time I let myself out of the front... So the whole place is just fucking collapsing on itself. <laughs> By the time I let myself out of the front door and headed for the Cadillac, the sun was just starting to set. California perfect. Orange and blue and purple and beautiful. But I wasn't really thinking about that. I was thinking about this. Neck tattoo. Five foot six. Name is Scott. Catch you later. Boom. Good job, Peter Atkins. Sir. That was wonderful. All right. Hell yeah. That was called um, Dancing Like We're Dumb. I got that from the Mammoth Book of Best New Horror, where I read The Tower a couple weeks ago from. That was great. I love how he wrote that. I would have to read a lot more from Peter Atkins. I certainly have read the Hellraiser screen, um, you know, because he wrote those screenplay uh, screenplays. I certainly have watched those, and I love those. Great man, that was awesome. Thank you guys so much. Short story bingo episode thirteen is in the books. Um, as always, you know, this is on all the major podcast networks: Google Play, Podbean, TuneIn iTunes, please leave a uh, review for me um, and rate it five stars. It just helps with uh, getting more traffic. And also, uh, we are keeping a steady amount of hits um, with just the because this is going to be the third one on the third tomorrow, today, I guess. Um, and uh, we're averaging about 130 hits right now a day. So pretty excited and then that's across all the net all the podcast networks so it's still kind of peanuts but uh to me you know it's a good start i'm happy where i was at especially after taking the two-month layoff and it dropping to only it was like 99 and a half that it dropped to as far as like daily uh that the feed would be hit on all the networks like i was saying but short story bingo.podbean.com share that with your friends Please subscribe. Let them know that um, there's a weird guy who fucking reads stories and happens to make fun of them and um, would like for you to listen when you're taking a road trip or if you're working out or if you're uh, passing time along while you're making some dinner, breakfast, or lunch. Who gives a fuck? Anyway, my name is Nate Chacon Third. This is Short Story Bingo, episode 13. Send out your... Um, short stories or any comments or anything to short story bingo at gmail.com i uh have been, it's been brought to my attention that i definitely need to check that email more often which is what which is what i'm going to be doing so short story bingo episode 13 your boy nate chacon and i am out happy halloween back to regular shit Dun, dun, dun. Spare fingers. Yes.